Welcome to a special edition of Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. Today, Andrew continues his teaching on who God is and who we are, recorded live from the 2019 Grace and Faith Conference in Telford, England. You need to recognize that you were an absolute mess before Jesus saved you. Apart from God's influence in your life, you just don't realize how perfect God created us to be. And now, here's Andrew. I'm going to minister on something that probably most of you haven't heard me talk about. Uh, if you are interested in getting more information on your identity in Christ and who you are and what God has done, I've got so much material out there, I encourage you to go get it. But let's go back to a verse that I was using uh, yesterday in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and in verse 17. He says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new and all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. And let me just read on through the end of the chapter because this is really powerful. In verse 19, it says to wit, or that is to know that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. That is so powerful. I'm not going to teach on that, but you need to find out what that means. He does not impute your trespasses unto you. And this goes contrary to the vast majority of religion today and what they're teaching. They are teaching that God does count your sins against you. Verse 19, not imputing their trespasses unto them and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. That means that God gave us the ministry of telling people that God is not holding your sins against you. And sad to say, again, most of Christianity is saying if you sin, God won't answer your prayer. God won't move in your life. God won't bless you. If you aren't seeing something happen, it's because of sin. And, sin, and they just are imputing people's sins unto them. God not only forgave our sins and, and uh, reconciled the world unto himself, but he told us not to be imputing people's sins unto them. I'm telling you, the church is not representing God well. Now, again, I, that's a broad statement. There are some great churches that are preaching the word, but as a whole, the vast majority of the body of Christ is not hearing this message and in verse 20, it says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. God reconciled himself unto man. Now we have to reconcile ourselves unto God in your own mind by realizing that God is not imputing sins unto you. And then in verse 21, for he hath made him, speaking about God the Father, made Jesus to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You not only have uh, had God forgive you, but you have been made the righteousness of God. Man, very few people understand this. Very few people, they see themselves as still an old sinner saved by grace. They don't understand that when God forgave you, he just not only wiped the slate clean, but he gave you his righteousness. 
He made you as righteous and pure as He is, not in your physical body and not in your soulish, mental, emotional part, but in your spirit, you are as righteous and holy and pure as Jesus is because He gave you His righteousness. And if somebody says, well, all of my righteousness is like a filthy rag, that's Isaiah 64, 6. And there's many religious people that know that verse and they'll say, all of my righteousness is like filthy rags. That's talking about your self-righteousness. But it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, that Jesus has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. If you say that all of your righteousness is filthy rags, you're either talking about self-righteousness, which you aren't supposed to be living in, or you're calling Jesus a filthy rag. Jesus is your righteousness. He gave you his righteousness. And you've got to see yourself now in the spirit. John chapter four, verse 24 says, God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The only way you can really stand before God and have a relationship with him is to stand before him in your spirit, in that part of you that is old things have passed away, all things have become new, and it is now the righteousness of God. You are in right standing with him, and you've got to learn how to fellowship with God through your spirit. When you come before God saying, oh God, I've failed you, and I'm such a failure, and God, I did this again and that. You know what? You aren't in the spirit. <laughs> your spirit is not defiled. Your spirit is not filthy. Your spirit is not contaminated. Even after you get born again, when you sin, that sin will defile your body and it can give Satan an inroad into your physical body with sickness. That sin will open up your soul, your mental, emotional part to the devil and Satan can give you fear and worry and all kinds of emotional problems and things like that but your spirit is sealed and the sin that you commit as a Christian does not enter into your spirit. You're sealed, Ephesians chapter one, verse 13. And because of that, your spirit remains righteous and holy. And that spirit never changes. The born again part of you is as pure and holy as Jesus. It remains that way. And when you die and go to heaven, your spirit isn't gonna have to be improved upon uh, cleansed, dusted off, grown up, or any of those things. Your spirit is as perfect on the inside of you right now as it will ever be in eternity. The problem is that you don't have a renewed mind and you don't have a glorified body yet. And so it takes effort. For the purpose of discussion, we can separate spirit, soul, and body, but we are one. All of these things comprise one. And if you are perfect in your spirit, but if your mind doesn't know it, and if your body, if you aren't acting like you, who you are in the spirit, well then the overall, you aren't gonna experience all of this victory that God has provided. It's just a simple thing of your three parts, spirit, soul, and body. You get your soul in agreement with your spirit. You get your mind stayed upon the things of God. That's two against one and you will just automatically see the supernatural power of God flow through your body and you'll be healed and delivered and all of these things prospered. It'll all work if your mind and in your spirit are together. And our spirit is comprised of the soul and the spirit together. It's not 
Most people use those things interchangeably and they talk about their heart being their spirit. But no, your heart is your soul and your spirit combination. And that's the reason the Bible says you have to believe with all of your heart. You can believe with just part of your heart. Your spirit is always believing. Your spirit doesn't know how to you know, operate in unbelief. Your spirit is always turned on to God, but your soul isn't always. That's the reason you have to believe with all of your heart. And when you get all of your heart in agreement, that's two against one. And I guarantee you the power of God will flow. But if you get your mind over here to where you are controlled by what you see, taste, hear, smell, and feel, physical, and you are letting emotions dominate you, that's two against one, and it stops the flow of the power of God that's on the inside of you. So even though for the purpose of discussion, we talk about spirit, soul, and body, you've got to realize you, all of these comprise one thing, and you've got to get your mind and your spirit in agreement before you see the power of God flow through you. So anyway, there's so many powerful things I'd love to say about that. Let me back up to verse 16 again. I mentioned this yesterday, but it says in verse 16, wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, Yet now, henceforth, know we him no more. And I mentioned this very briefly yesterday that we shouldn't know people by just their physical thing, whether they're tall, short, fat, skinny, what color they are, whether they're male or female. We shouldn't deal with people based on external things. And that's what this is saying. But remember who wrote this. This is the apostle Paul that wrote this. And Paul said that he was brought up in Jerusalem at the feet of Gamaliel, which was the leading rabbi. And of course, you know, during Jesus' ministry, the rabbis, the uh, Pharisees were always there criticizing Jesus. And I just cannot believe that Jesus, uh, his ministry in Jerusalem did not draw Paul's attention. I'm sure that Paul saw Jesus. He probably was among some of the Pharisees that were there criticizing Jesus and talking about him. And Paul saw Jesus during his ministry in Jerusalem. And so I believe that when he says, we, we have known Jesus after the flesh, Paul had seen Jesus. Paul could have told you how tall Jesus was, what he looked like, what his mannerisms were like. Paul saw Jesus, but he only knew him after the flesh. He didn't realize who he was really dealing with. And what I want to share with you today is that even his disciples didn't realize it takes faith to recognize who Jesus is and it takes faith for you to recognize who Jesus is on the inside of you. But stop and think about this. And again, for time's sake, I'm going to go through some of this very quickly, but there are 14 different instances where after Jesus was raised from the dead, that he appeared unto people. First one, he appeared unto Mary Magdalene. And just for time, I'm not going to turn over there and show you all of this. But when he appeared unto Mary Magdalene, she didn't recognize who he was. And she talked to him at first. And finally, she thought he was the gardener. And she says, if you've borne away my master's body, tell me where you put him. And it was when he said unto her, Mary, the way that he said it, she recognized his voice and she fell at his feet and begin to worship him. But she didn't recognize him at first. And sometimes it's a little bit subtle, but if you read every single account of his post-resurrection, 
appearances, his disciples didn't recognize him. Let me show you one of these over here in John chapter 21. And Jesus had already appeared unto his disciples. Uh, he, on the resurrection day, he appeared and the doors were locked and he just walked into the room and he was uh, present and they didn't recognize him at first. He says, it's me. He says, touch me, feel. A spirit doesn't have flesh and bone as you see me have. But over here in John chapter 21, this is one of his appearances to his disciples. And in John chapter 21, Peter had uh, told the other disciples, I'm going to go fish. And so they all said, we're going with you. And so they were in a boat and they had been fishing all night long and they hadn't caught anything. And it says in verse four, but when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Now you might be able to say here, well, maybe they were so far away. They just didn't recognize him. They weren't close enough. But as you continue reading this, that's not the reason. In verse five, it says, then Jesus said unto them, children, have ye any meat? They answered him, no. And he said unto them, cast the net on the right side of the ship and you shall find. If you were to go back to Luke chapter five, this is very familiar to when he first called these disciples. He was preaching to the people and he asked if he could borrow their boat and he went out and uh, he taught out of the boat. And then after he was through teaching, he told them to go out and let down their net for a catch. And they said, we've been fishing all night long and haven't caught anything. And he says, launch out into the deep and let down the nets. And so they let down the net singular and they took so many fish. They called their partners. They filled up both boats and the, they were so full of fish that the boats began to sink. So this had already happened to them. And Jesus, even though they'd been fishing all night long, he says, cast the net on the right side of the ship and ye shall find. And they cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved said unto Peter, that's talking about John said unto Peter, it is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him for he was naked. I don't believe this means that he was naked the way we talk about. It. He just didn't have on his outer garments and stuff. And he did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship for they were not far from the land, but as it were 200 cubits dragging the net with fishes. And as soon as they were come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid thereon and bread. And Jesus said unto them, bring of the fish, which ye have now caught. Verse 11, Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes an hundred and fifty and three. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus said unto them, come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, who art thou knowing that it was the Lord? You know, if you think about this, this is amazing. It says none of them were bold enough to say, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. But why would they even put it in there that none of them would dare ask him, who are you? It's because they didn't recognize him by the flesh. This is what the apostle Paul was talking about. We used to recognize Jesus by the flesh, but when Jesus rose from the dead, he didn't have a physical body anymore. He had a glorified body and it still resembled the same body because he even told in the 20, uh, 20th chapter of John, 
He told Thomas, put your finger into the print of the nails and put your hand into my side. So he still, it wasn't like it was a different body. It wasn't like he looked differently. But here's something that I don't know exactly how to get this across. I, I've, seen, I've seen it bigger on the inside than what I'm able to say it. But it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, that the natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God because they are foolish unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. You have to discern spiritual things with your spirit. And we are so used to discerning things with our carnal senses, going by what we see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. The disciples, when Jesus was on this earth, they only knew Jesus after the flesh. They could tell you what he looked like. And you know what? Jesus didn't have hotels to stay in the way we do. They didn't take a shower every day. He didn't have a change of clothes every day. Jesus had a smell about him. They could have told you what Jesus smelt like. They had felt him. They touched him. They had seen him. They knew him after physical, natural things. But when he was raised from the dead, he was in a glorified body. It wasn't a different looking body, but it was spiritual. And you can't discern spiritual things with carnal senses. I don't know how to make that any clearer than that. But you have to use your spirit to discern the Lord now. Did you know that when Jesus was in his earthly body, Jesus was God, manifest in the flesh. But he was in a physical, natural body that acted like a veil that covered who he really was. On the Mount of Transfiguration, 17th chapter of Matthew, when he was in the presence of the Lord worshiping him, all of a sudden it's like he pulled the veil back and the glory that was inside of him began to radiate. It was different than Moses. Moses was in the presence of God and that glory was reflected on his face. But Jesus was the glory of God. And it's just like he pulled a curtain back and all of a sudden light began to come from him. And they saw the audible, I mean, the visible manifestation of God's glory. And they heard an audible voice from God saying, this is my beloved son, hear him. And so that's who Jesus was all of the time. But he he kept it inside of this body because people couldn't have related to him. You know, when the Bible says that if you see God, you'll die. No man can see God and live. I don't believe it's because God is so private that if you were to see him, he'd just kill you. You couldn't live. It's because his glory is so awesome that our physical bodies literally could not contain his glory. We would self-destruct if we were to see the glory of God. And so Jesus wrapped his true self, his spiritual self, inside of a physical body. It was natural. It wasn't sinful, but it was completely natural. And people, Paul was saying, only knew him by the flesh. But now we have to know him by the spirit. And you can know God by your spirit better than if you were to know him in the natural. I wish I had better words to say this. You have to get this by revelation. But you can know God through the Spirit better than if you know him 
in your physical, natural means by seeing, hearing, touching, things like that. You know, when the movie, The Passion of the Christ came out, I had one of my friends tell me that he went and saw that and it just totally shattered his life. He said he'd never be the same. He says it made the crucifixion come so alive and everything. And so he encouraged me to go see it. So I went and saw it and I was anticipating this life-changing encounter with the Lord when I saw that movie. And when I saw it, I'm not critical of Mel Gibson at all. I mean, all he could do, you know, you're limited when you're using physical things, when you're only looking and hearing, you're limited with that. So I'm not critical of him. I believe he did a great job showing the crucifixion of Jesus. But when I was watching that, I was actually disappointed because all it could do was, it could only depict so much. And as I was watching that, I was thinking, God, this, what I know, what I've seen in my heart is so much more real. It's so much greater than what I'm seeing with my eyes and hearing with my ears. And I was actually disappointed. And I was thinking, what's wrong with me? And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he says, you have known me by the Spirit. My Spirit has revealed to you through the Word of God things like, for instance, the Scripture over in Isaiah chapter 52, verse 14 says that his face was marred more than any man that has ever lived on the earth. Mel Gibson in that movie didn't depict that. It was bad, but it wasn't as bad as what the scripture says. And it goes on to say that his form was so marred that he didn't even look human. In that movie, he still looked like a human being that had been brutalized, but he still looked human. The Bible says he didn't even look human and I believe that's because every sickness and every disease, every tumor, every deformity that has ever happened in the human race all entered into the body of Jesus and his body was so brutalized he didn't even look human hanging on the cross. And through the word, I've seen these things and what I was seeing in that movie wasn't as graphic, it wasn't as real to me as what I had seen by my heart. And the Lord spoke to me and he says, I've revealed it to you by the Spirit and seeing by the Spirit is actually better than seeing with your physical eyes. The seed, the ministry, I can't tell you how grateful we are as a family. On today's broadcast, you saw an excerpt from Andrew's teaching titled, Who God Is and Who We Are, recorded live from the 2019 Grace and Faith Conference in Telford, England. This four-part teaching is available in a CD or DVD album for a gift of any amount, or on a USB drive for only $30. Also available is the entire 2019 Grace and Faith Conference which includes all four of Andrew's sessions, along with teachings from guest speakers Wendell Parr and Dwayne Sheriff. This conference was recorded live in Telford, England, and is available in a nine-part CD or DVD album for a gift of any amount, or on a USB drive for only $49. 
Go to awmi.net to see all the ways you can get these teachings. We want to say a special thank you to the Grace Partners of Andrew Womack Ministries. Your gifts make it possible to put free ministry materials into the hands of many people in need. If you're not already a Grace Partner, we ask you to pray about becoming one today. You can become a Grace Partner or order resources through our website at awmi.net. While there, you can discover more product details and download additional free resources. Or call our helpline Monday through Friday from 4.30 a.m. to 9.30 p.m. Mountain Time at 719-635-1111. To write us, use the address on your screen. We appreciate your generosity and hope to hear from you today. Ready to get more out of God's Word than ever before? We gladly announce the newly recreated Andrew Womack Living Commentary. Study with Andrew from Genesis to Revelation. This Living Commentary is packed with a lifetime of Andrew's own footnotes on over 32,000 verses and counting. This extensive Living Commentary contains multiple translations of the Bible including the King James Version Plus, along with Strong's Concordance, where you can find the original Greek and Hebrew text. Andrew has also provided you with several historically respected commentaries. It's never been easier for you to study through the Bible with Andrew. Priced at only $120, this continuously updated living commentary is now available exclusively as a download for both Mac and Windows at awmi.net. Before you were even formed in your mother's womb, God already had determined a purpose for your life, a God-given purpose. God has a purpose to train you in what you're called to do, and I tell you, Karis Bible College is the place for that. Man, if you want a life change, come to Karis. Come on to Karis! You need to take a step of faith and start believing God for something big. God made every one of you for something special. The next two to three years could be the most powerful time of your life you sit under the Word for four hours a day, for five days a week, for two or three years, I guarantee you, you are going to have God speak to you and start revealing purpose to you. We all have a purpose and a destiny, and you will find that out when you attend Karis Bible College. Every one of you were created for a purpose. Do you know what that purpose is? Thanks to the support of our friends and partners, Karis Bible College is able to reach more people with the gospel than ever before through the continued expansion of our campus in Woodland Park, Colorado. Check out our latest construction update at awmi.net. We've got a brand new feature 
on Gospel Truth TV, and that is the on-demand feature. And that's where if you aren't watching at the time your favorite program comes on, you can go back and get whatever you want to see on demand. It's a great new feature. Check it out at gospeltruth.tv. I'd like to invite you to come to our Women's Arise Conference. It's November the 7th through the 9th. I'm not going to be there, but some of my best friends, Carly Terrades, Pastor Sue Sheriff, Pastor Sheris Johnson, and Dorothy Brown. That's James Brown's wife. I tell you, she's become a great friend. These are some powerful women. You'll be blessed. It's going to be a great conference, November 7th through the 9th, Women Arise in Woodland Park, Colorado, at our Caris facilities.